All right. Now, we have mics available um, because we have a fair amount of people who are watching online. So um, as we uh, have discussion with each other this evening, um, just kind of raise your hand, and we have two runners that will bring mics to you. But um, so let's start out with this. What are some um, observations, applications, um, things that stood out to you? Maybe something you learned, maybe something you've already, you guys know what I'm asking for. Um, in fact, let's go ahead and just uh, advance that slide. We'll throw the text up there for you. And uh, there's our text this evening. So what are some things that, that struck you? And can I get someone to shut the double doors back there? I'm already easily um, distracted, uh, much less having people walk by and waving at me. So uh, <laughs> I will not make it through. So any observations, thoughts, anything that stood out? Anyone at all? Okay, we got one right there. Anyone else? Any hands at all? Oh, Jeff, right here. It's coming over here. Oh, here comes Mark, right to your um, right. Yeah, go right ahead. No? All right, fantastic. How about this one over here? Don't touch them together. They're like Ghostbuster yeah. how about now? packs. There, there you go. go. There we Good. Go. I like how we talked about this morning that uh, no matter how much you know about a subject, you can still learn from somebody. Mm-hmm. Yep. You got to keep that open-minded too. You, you just, I always seem, I don't even need to listen to you because I already know what I know. Mm-hmm. But you, know, you need to listen to people. Yeah. Yep. We can learn from each and every one. Thank you. Yes, Paul, right behind you. I just appreciated the uh, the whole idea that here you got Apollos is a really strong teacher, but is teaching a little bit some things maybe that are not correct, mm-hmm. and then along comes this other this couple who's maybe been in the Lord a long time, and they're humble people and they just kind of pull them aside, mm-hmm. and talk to them and I think that just shows a lot of Christian character right there grace. Mm-hmm that maybe we can learn from because we tend to be critical. We tend to, you know, oh, man, what did they say? They don't know what they're talking, you know, and just be negative about everything. But maybe we could, you know, tend to do that more ourselves mm-hmm. and just pull people aside and show grace and just just a thought. No, that's an excellent thought. And I'm, I'm guilty of that too. I don't know about you, but in the absence of information, I just insert worst-case scenario and then judge that full picture right there and to show grace and mercy to one another. Anyone else? Thoughts, observations? We have Laura over here. So far, everything's coming from over here. And um, I'm not... Oh, Patty's next. All right. Oh, no, I'm nervous already. All right, who is it? Laura, you're up. Um, on that same note, he also received it with grace. He was humble enough to be, you yeah. know, to learn mm-hmm. and just to do the right thing. Yep. Amen. And it's not like... From, from this cultural perspective, he's learning from, you know, the head honcho and this great humility as he's learning. Um, Patty. Janet wants to know how long his hair was. Okay, <laughs> yes. You know, I'm not going to answer this question, but Barbara, are you in here? Barbara at all? I can tell you that this happened with almost near certainty on March 10th, 
53 AD. How do you like that? Huh? In the previous passage, it says that the, um, what's the name of the, the uh, guy that uh, said, I'm not, I'm not going to punish, what's his name? Apollos. No, it wasn't Apollos. It was the previous chapter. It started with a C. Claudius or something like that? What's that? Crispus? Yeah, it was the guy who was in charge. He, only, he was only in power for 11 months because of his health, and then he had to be removed. And historically, we know exactly when that was. And since this is a certain feast in Jerusalem at that time, and that the shipping lanes um, reopened at a certain time, we're able to pinpoint it very close to March 10th, 53 AD. So thought you'd want to know that. It has nothing to do with your question. I have no idea how long his hair was, but it was around 53 AD on March 10th, all right? Any other questions? And if you find who that person of authority was in the previous chapter, starting with C, please let me know. Please raise your hand. That is an assignment because it's bothering me. Claudius, thank you. Claudius was in power for 11 months, then his health failed him, all right? Which we know is 53-ish AD. Any other questions, comments, observations? We have Luke in the back over there. And um, that's Jason coming. All right. I was impressed by Priscilla and Aquila, who seemed to showcase with their humility. Uh, when you think of humility, humility, you think of are humble, being humble, that you're passive. And they weren't, so they showed great discernment, humility, and not being argumentative, pulling him aside. And I think many of us in this church actually do a pretty good job of that. Maybe not the denomination sometimes stereotypically, but, but I just was really impressed with the fact that they didn't sit back. Mm-hmm. They went forward, but with great discernment. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Luke. Anyone else? Observations, applications? Anything that stood out to you? Going once. Going twice. I'm seeing anything. All right. Let's go ahead and advance that slide right there. We're going to boil this all down into this, and we're going to camp in these three or four verses right here. All right? Because there's quite a bit here. And we're going to start out with the words in Centria. He had his hair cut, for he was keeping a vow. All right? Now, when we look at this, um, what we're going to do here is, is we're going to try and flush out what I would say one primary um, practical application from what we're seeing here. Now, it says this. Um, actually, it says this. I want to communicate this. Paul is an apostle, will be an apostle to the Gentiles. Now, obviously, he goes to the Jews first, and then he goes to the Gentiles, and eventually he becomes the apostle known for uh, the Gentiles. Yet, at least twice in the book of Acts, we see that he takes Jewish vows. We see it here in Acts chapter 18, um, and verse 18, and we'll see it again in 21, verses 26. Now, as we studied this morning, he was well aware that the Old Covenant and its rituals um, were no longer required in observation, yet... We have to remember his upbringing. Do you remember your upbringing? It gets ingrained into our DNA. He was raised according to the strictest standards 
of the Jewish faith. You find that in Galatians chapter 1, uh, 13 through 14. He was raised in the strictest standards of the Jewish um, race, race uh, faith, me, and race. I guess you could say that as well. All right. So with that being uh, said, I just want to start out with one simple question. We're going to have four questions this evening. One simple question. How were you raised? What was your heritage? How many here grew up strict, certain denomination, practice heritage? Anyone at all? Anyone at all? All right. I think all of us do. Regardless if you're a Baptist or you're Methodist or, or Lutheran or, or whatever the case may be, we're raised with a certain kind of ecclesiastical DNA or religious or spiritual DNA. Now, it's important to understand that to be Jewish during this time meant more than that you just believed differently than the Gentiles. Here comes our next question already. It's not that they just believed differently from the Gentiles, but it was important that you lived and behaved differently than the Gentiles. Leviticus, all right? The Torah, the law, and on and on, and uh, uh, pulled out with the Mishnah. So not only do you believe differently, but you behave differently. In fact, much of the Old Testament vows and ceremonies were designed to keep Israel culturally and personally separate from the rest of the world. So here's the question. Next question. Were you raised with a heritage that was designed to separate you from the world? Of course you were. I was. Many of you were as well. Some more than others. How many here were were raised Shiite separatists? Anyone at all? You know, it's like, why can't I do that? And you got the great old answer. What was the answer? That's not who we are. And I'm like, well, who are we? Don't get smart with me. Okay, all right? But yes, of course, we're all raised with a heritage, especially if we were raised in the church, that was designed to separate us and our behavior from the rest of the world. And by the way, that's a good thing. That can be a very good thing. By the way, if it's not anchored in the Word of God and all you're doing is separating yourself from people, that's a, anyone want to guess? That could be a bad thing. When you're literally separating from relationship for no other reason that we're trying to hold on to some sort of, of, of heritage founding here. Some commentators, such as Johnson, say that these kind of uh, vows, as unnecessary as they were at this time in, on March 10, 53 AD, all right, allowed Paul to talk more freely with fellow Jews about the gospel. In fact, we see it kind of within the text. He himself entered into the synagogue, right there, entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. I think this kind of got him some street cred, if you will. And that, that's fine if, you, if he wants to observe that, but the fact of the matter is he did this before the Nazarite Jewish vow, Jewish-like Nazarite vow that he took, all right? He already was doing this stuff. Unless, of course, people, and this is interesting because it's found outside of the text. We're going to find it in chapter 20, I believe it is, when we get there. But maybe some of the Jewish people were thinking that he was becoming a little too Gentile for them. I put that in air quotes because that's what cool people do, all right? He was getting a little too Gentile for their liking. So Paul wanted to virtue signal. How many are glad we don't have that anymore? He wanted to virtue signal his Jewishness to the Jewish culture and society. I, in fact, I, there it is. It used to have a Batman symbol in there, but I was able to expunge that and put in the Star of David. Look, I am still very Jewish. In fact, 
if you think, well, that seems a little out, go ahead on your own time, or do it now, Acts chapter 20, verses 20 through 21. He has to sit there and explain to them, I'm Jewish just like you are. Look, I did these things like you did. So he's establishing maybe some of that street cred. Here's a, here's a question. In fact, let me back up to the first two. Were you raised in a heritage that sometimes is hard to let go of? Number two, do, or, um, were you raised in a heritage designed to separate your behavior from the rest of the world? Sometimes in a good way, sometimes in an unnecessary way. Question three, did you ever feel pressure? Oh, who here grew up very conservative? Anyone else? Anyone at all? I'm not going to diminish that. But there is a tendency. Thank you, Gloria. I see that hand. Is it Gloria? Gloria. I said it wrong. I'm so sorry. I'm not trying to diminish that at all. There can be some good things by that. But there is a slippery slope. Oftentimes in ultra-conservative settings, the number one goal is what will people think? Outward appearance. Will they judge me? Here's a question. Do we ever feel pressure, maybe like Paul did in Acts 20, 20 through 21, to meet people's expectation within the heritage we are raised? What will people think? What will they say? I think the answer to that is an overwhelming yes. We've all been there. But I want to push forward one more thing here. Paul is still steeped in the Jewish way of things and thinking. And I think all of us can relate to that and maybe in a lesser way, but in a but in a real way for us. How many here were raised with certain guidelines or heritage, all of us, and many of them were designed to separate us from the culture in which we lived in? What are some things that we did 50 years ago to make sure that we were separate from the rebellious hippies of the world? By the way, I'm wearing sandals today, so (laughs) parents failed, you know. I got my shirt untucked, and I got kind of some scruff. I just answered all our questions, did I not? There's some other ways as well. Movies, dancing. Okay, thank you, Paul. Movies and dancing, all right? Which is the go-to. So, and I appreciate that, Paul, because what you did is you satisfied the base level. What are, some, what are some ways transparently where we tried to separate ourselves from the culture? Anyone else? Any? What's that? That's right, and... Were you raised in a culture like that, Becky? Would you like, you should just, you want to give a testimony? You should. Because I've had to detox my wife from that culture. No, I'm just teasing, I'm teasing. And her or me. All right. Certain guidelines that were designed to separate us from culture. Then over time, as you mature, as you grow in Christ, and I, I, I mean this with humility, I hope this is true for all of us, as we mature in Christ and we, we understand more of his word and more of his pleasure and his will for our lives and it's revealed to us, we realize these things aren't really baked into any canon. We realize that this really doesn't do anything other than separate us from people, which, by the way, then can become a hindrance. And we're actually going to see that in the text in just a moment. And you realize they're not required anymore, that they don't have a biblical mandate. Yet you simply, here it is, and this makes me smile, okay? How many here have ever, you're listening to the Word of God, the, the Holy Spirit is teaching you, you're realizing that, hmm, maybe this is more of a, a, a heritage than a heart issue, but it is so baked into your DNA that you can't let go 
of it or bring yourself to participate or do it. Anyone else at all feel that pressure? I do. I do. I'm going to bring one up tonight that will allow you guys to judge the snot out of me. How many are looking forward to that? It's a free pass. You can just judge it, all right? You can't help yourself from living in them and acting outside of them. Here's one that has nothing to do with this context, but the feeling does. How many here have ever wanted to raise your hand during worship? You just... You can't do it! Do you know what I mean? Anyone at all? I met you this morning. Have you ever raised your hand in worship? Okay, well, bad example, all right? How many here just can't do it? Like, you do the maybe the 45-degree angle, and even there... Now, again, this is not the context, all right? But maybe that emotive feeling there. I just not how I'm raised. Here's why I'm going here. Where the how and what we do, where the how and what we do become more important than the why and the who we do it for. That's important. That's going to transition us into question number four. Has our heritage ever been more important than our purpose? Has our heritage ever taken a higher priority than our calling in Christ? Here's where you get to judge me, all right? Here's where you get to judge me. Well, mm-hmm, yeah, I'm just going to go. Those of you who know me, anyone who's over six foot three will have chronic back pain, okay? That's just what you get for being a little bit taller. I have chronic back pain. I am in pain almost all of the time. Sometimes it's a little, sometimes it's excruciating. Excruciating, all right? There's that word. It's a pen. We'll wear it next week. It's excruciating. I've been to doctors. I've, been, I've had shots, cortisones, um, surgical specialists, um, proctologists. That's probably a little outside the field, all right? I just saw my, my friend over there. And I've, I've been to chiropractors and all of these things. And they like to push anyone. What do, they like to push pills on me as well. Well, I had one medical professional tell me, that it would be safer, possibly more healthy and effective to take pot gummies for my pain and my sleep. <laughs> Laura right there. You take that Vicodin like the Lord intended. <laughs> Omega-3s. Or, and this is, forgive me, essential oils. <laughs> Sorry, Becky. God did give us essential oils. <laughs> if only they worked, you know. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. They cure cancer, you know. Um, I'm teasing. They, I'm sure they do. They give me headaches, personally. But they gave me, or they didn't give me, well, they did. I'll get there in a moment, and then you can judge me, all right? And we'll get there. So just judge right now, because you don't have all the information. In the vacuum of that information, insert the worst. And then beat me for it, all right? Now, with that in mind, this medical professional said, hey, you should try some pot gummies. They're probably a little safer, a little bit more natural, and will help your back pain more, your inflammation, and will help you sleep. Compared to the pharmaceutical chemicals that they were prescribing me at the pharmacy. Now, it's important to understand, I was raised by God and Nancy Reagan in 1980. (laughs) You don't cross that line. That is, we built a wall in the 80s, and it was called, what did Nancy tell us to do? Just what? Say no. How dare you? The same doctor is saying this that he did, is saying you should take this, is the same doctor that said you should take this. 
Now, don't judge me. I was given a, a, a complimentary little gummy from this medical professional. And there I am at night in pain. I can't sleep. I can't lay on my side. Back hurts, side hurts, sitting hurts, forward hurts. The only time it don't hurt is when I'm suspended in water and weightless. And I had that thing in my hand. And Amy's like, you know. She's tired of me talking about my back, and I don't blame her. I held that thing in my hand. All right? had that in my hand, and I had a prescription drug that was whipped up in some biochemical laboratory by capitalist money-driven corporations who don't care if I live or die. (laughs) But Nancy Reagan said this one was okay. (laughs) You know? Literally on the bottle, Amy always says, please don't read the, the, the label, because I will, what's the word, psychosomatic, is that the right word? I will feel everything. I'm like, oh my, my tongue is swollen, you know, and it's like, no, you haven't even taken the pill yet, Brett. And I'm in pain, and he says, it's okay. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I laid in pain. I could not take the gummy. I couldn't do it. So, even though the same doctor told me it was probably a little safer, or might even help more, I took the God-approved Ambium hypnotic drug with 800 milligrams of ibuprofen. And I was at peace with my Lord. My point in telling you this, it's how I was raised. And I just couldn't shed it. Now let me be clear here. There's nothing wrong with what Paul is doing here, all right? In fact, you could just easily argue that Paul has the right heart. He was expressing his gratitude for God's protection in a highly Jewish way of thinking. Who could blame him? After all, he's Jewish, Pharisee of all Pharisees, taught under the great teacher within the Sanhedrin. uh, I always call him Gargamel because Gamaliel, all right? He was, he was, he was a, a Jew among Jews who could blame him. And he was keeping a vow. He was keeping a promise. Was, he was thanking the Lord. Paul taking this vow and having to go to Jerusalem and present his heir as a burnt offering, which we unpacked this morning, is not sinful. It's his heritage. It's all he knows. My point here is that this way of thinking where heritage takes a higher priority than purpose, can inadvertently draw us away from something better. We know that truth. We know that truth because we act on those truths. (laughs) I remember, mm, no, I can't go there. Yes, I can, but I'm not going to. But I will. Our wedding, oh, I can't. Amy, Amy's my conscience with my conscience. You should have seen her face. She's like. <laughs> the dinner menu for our wedding after we got married. It always had to be the same thing. Yeah, remember that? Let's move forward. I'm going to trust my wife on this one. And you can thank her. Where was I? It's not a sin. My point here is that this way of thinking can inadvertently draw us away from something better. Paul was asked to stay 
for a longer period of time by people who wanted to hear more of the gospel of Jesus Christ or be discipled in the, in the truth of Jesus Christ. And he could not consent. He could not consent. Why? Because he made a commitment anchored in his heritage that prevents him from stay. The clock is ticking. He's got 30 days. It's March. Shipping lanes are not always going to be open. 10th, all right? Uh, March, March 10th at 53 AD. He's got to keep moving. Now, I need you to hear this out loud. I do this a lot of times in my office when someone brings me something that I don't understand. So I just will say, I need to repeat this back to you. Here's what I want you to see here. I kind of put it into a word. Well, Paul, will you please share the gospel with us? I can't. I have to bring my hair to the temple. Now, when you hear that out loud, sometimes we just need to hear things out loud. Here's the point where all this is going. Paul's an apostle to the Jews. Paul is an apostle to the Jews and the Gentiles for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ. Yet he has to leave them in order to fulfill a vow that was not, he was not required to make. Now, it should be noted that the Lord was patient with Paul in his transition from his Jewish heritage. When growing in Christ pulls you away from something that is all you have ever known, it is very uncomfortable. It is very difficult. It seems to press against our conscience even. In fact, Paul even acknowledges when he wrote Romans in Romans chapter 14. If I could summarize 1 through 14, 1 through 15, he basically said this. Be patient with those who are struggling to let go of Old Testament laws and rituals. Let each one do according to their conscience. One calls one day more important. One calls every day that is of the Lord. Let each one be convinced in their own mind. It's hard. Don't judge each other. Now, just so you know that I'm not drawing this up from vapors, all right, of speculation, allow me to share some quotes from some theologians this week. Here's, here's one. I always put him at the top. No. It seems puzzling that since Paul was well aware that the old covenant and its rituals had passed away, but in his love for God's word, he was still influenced by his Jewish heritage. Precept Austin, if we hit the next one, says this. All right. I view this as an incident that shows that Paul's in the process of the Jewish way of thinking, transitioning in a process completely different to a new covenant way of thinking. Here's another one here. I believe this is Peterson. Yes. Paul may have feared that his fellow Jews thought he was being too Gentile, air quotes. So he signaled, he virtue signaled his heritage with a vow and a trip to Jerusalem. Evidenced in Acts 20, 20 through 21. Then we have another one here, and we'll let this be sufficient. Paul knew he struggled with shedding his Jewish way of thinking when after his third missionary journey, third, which by the way, was to the Gentiles, as he ministers to the Gentiles in his third missionary uh, 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 journey, he still calls himself a Pharisee of Pharisees. So we see this baked here within the text. Sometimes our heritage, as noble and well-meaning and beautiful as it may be, may keep us from something better. Have we ever turned people away from the gospel of Jesus Christ because we needed to maintain a system? A way of doing things? A look, a brand, a style? Noble and well-meaning as it may be, it may keep us from something better. Now, you may disagree with how I'm approaching this text, but if I may be given an opportunity to simply draw an application from this and then we'll be done. 
Paul's difficulty of leaving the Jewish way of thinking in his heritage may have actually drew him away from a better opportunity. Stay with us. Share the gospel with us. Teach us the word of God. Now, feel free to disagree, but here's, because here's the good news. I'm still in a process, and so are you, all right? But, but stay, stay with me here for just a moment. I think the inference that we get from these men up here, along with the contextual study, the inference and the application that is drawn here, while admittedly speculative in nature, still has inherent value. I wrote that. Doesn't that sound smart? I'm going to say it one more time because it took me. Barb, you were there when I wrote that, weren't you? I, I literally had to go, shh, I'm thinking. And this is what I came up with as Barb is my audience. Here it is. The inference of the application drawn out here, while admittedly speculative, still has inherent value and is worth examining in our own lives. Final question. We've had four. Final question. Maybe we have five. I, kept, I didn't keep count. Here it is. Are you and I so steeped in our way of thinking that it may actually keep us from something better? I remember a time in my life when Amy and I were just recently married. This is safe. <laughs> At least I have determined that this is safe. I bathed it in essential oils. When we had to choose between what church we were going to go to, remember that? One had a very traditional schedule, traditional way of doing things. It just dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's. It was, it was culturally comfortable. The other church, all right, did not did not have a traditional schedule that we grew up with, and it messed with my head. I thought I was out of God's will because it went against my natural desire for how I was raised. The teaching in the people at the non-traditional church was out of this world. It was out of this world. The people were loving and accepting and gracious. And, and the teaching at the, at the traditional standard or, or scheduled church, I'm going to just be generous and say, it wasn't. It was more brand-centered, more style-driven, more hold the fort and preserve the code. That's what it was like. And interesting enough, the name of the church, I tell you no lie, was Heritage Baptist. That's kind of ironic. Now, please, let, I want you to know, there are churches with strong heritages called Heritage Baptist who have a love for God and love for people. That's not my point. My point is, in this specific example, this is what we were looking at. His name was Heritage Baptist. You know, you can tell priorities of a church oftentimes by their name by their name, except for maybe action, random action verb churches. I don't know what those communicate. <laughs> so strong was the heritage. Um, back there, Bernie, so strong was my heritage. Can you hit the mute there? You guys get special privileges tonight. Can you just give me a thumbs up when I can no longer be heard and then we'll come back? So strong was I raised in my heritage that my father called me from Michigan to Pennsylvania and told me that if I did not go to the church with an evening service, I would no longer receive help to get through college. That's how strong the heritage I was raised. I ended up telling him that I understood 
but I needed to go where I was being taught. Now grab this. Where I was being taught, not preserved. Taught, not preserved. I am not a can of beans. You are not a can of peaches. We are to be growing and transforming in the image of our Lord. So I said, and I, I just, we're good friends. I love my dad dearly. I said, you can keep your money. You can unmute it now. So I went to the church that kind of rubbed me a little bit differently. And shortly after, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I'm not saying that's always the experience. It was mine. My friends, I'm not condemning Paul here. His choice, we're going to be done in two minutes. His choice to take that vow, while not necessary, is not something that I can Monday morning quarterback 2,000 years later in a culture and a depth of heritage I can't even begin to fathom. Nor am I comparing my Baptist heritage to 6,000 years of Jewish identity anchored in the Torah that Moses brought down from Mount Sinai. It's not the same thing. I'm just using it as an opportunity to speak to a principle in our hearts, and here they are. Number one, do we ever elevate heritage over purpose? Do we ever elevate how we do things as equally important as to why? If so, in what ways do we do this, both corporately and personally? And what will we do to prioritize the best over preferred, the purpose over pedigree? Oh, that one stings. Purpose over pedigree. Grace over guidelines, love over liturgy, scripture over schedule, and people over policy. God's word is very rich in its applications. And they'll fill our hearts if we allow them to. In fact, they demand our heart. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Dismiss us with your blessing. May we as a people who value heritage... May we be reminded that it's not the goal. May we place you, your great commission, in the purpose you have given us, which is to glorify you and bring you pleasure. May that be the most important thing to the point that we're willing to surrender what's comfortable to us. Start with me. I pray this and I ask this in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. Thanks for coming, everyone. You are dismissed. Spend some time catching up with one another.